This is Jacob Emerson with the Becker's Payer Issues Podcast. Here's your daily industry news briefing for March 24th. Cygnus CEO David Cordani must sit for a deposition as the company seeks to block a former executive from taking a role with its rival, CBS Health. That's according to a federal judge's ruling on March 17th. Amy Bricker served as president of Cygnus PBM Express Scripts. She resigned January 10th to become CVS's executive vice president and chief product officer for the consumer division. She was set to begin that new position in late February, but a federal judge granted Cigna a temporary restraining order blocking her from starting the new position. Cigna has argued that Ms. Bricker's hiring by CVS violates a non-compete agreement and puts trade secrets at risk. Cigna attempted to block Mr. Cordani's CEO notice, arguing that it would be unduly burdensome and cited the Apex Rule, which states that to obtain a deposition from a high-level corporate official, parties must demonstrate that the executive has unique or special knowledge of the facts at issue and other less burdensome avenues for obtaining information have been exhausted. CVS argued that Cigna itself asserted that Ms. Bricker's role in the company's role in decision-making and strategic planning was comprehensive and shared by only a small subset of Cigna executives led by Mr. Cordani himself. He then would have unique superior knowledge about those facts. Federal Judge Ronnie White wrote in his order that CVS established that there is a likelihood that Mr. Cordani has unique or special knowledge that will be at issue in the preliminary injunction hearing scheduled for March 30th. He also wrote that Cigna has not demonstrated that a three-hour deposition of its CEO would be unduly burdensome, especially in light of its allegations in this case. CVS has argued that Ms. Bricker's non-compete clause is unenforceable because it is overly broad and anti-competitive. The company also argued it does not apply to her new position because it will be unlike her Cigna role. Well, Tennessee is the second state to publicly say it has taken control of Bright Health's financial operations there. Insurance regulators in the state filed the supervision order November 4th, but only made that document public on March 14th. The move follows Florida recently filing an extension for its own supervision order against Bright, which revealed the state has been supervising the company since last September. Until further notice, in Tennessee, Bright is not allowed to spend more than $10,000 on anything without the state's approval, and it may be required to pay for an on-site state employee to monitor its finances, along with any additional experts, actuaries, and examiners that may be needed. With the exceptions of claims, payments, or payroll, the company is not allowed to withdraw any funds from its bank accounts without permission, and it is banned from lending or investing any funds. It also cannot transfer any property to anyone or transfer funds to its parent company, Bright Health Group. In addition, the state can initiate liquidation or delinquency proceedings. The state crackdowns come after a period of extreme operational challenges for Bright over the last year. Last year, the company reported a net loss of $1.4 billion and ended most of its insurance business by exiting the ACA market entirely and Medicare Advantage outside of California. Adjudicators say that they are swamped with No Surprises Act claims, many of them frivolous. That's according to HHS Secretary Xavier Becerra, who told that to the Senate Finance Committee this week on March 22nd. It was there that Senator Michael Bennett, a Colorado Democrat, said that he believes HHS is not implementing the law as Congress intended. He said, quote, we're seeing lawsuit after lawsuit from providers. Insurers aren't responding in a timely manner or sometimes not at all. And even when the payment determinations are won by providers, payers still don't pay them after the statutory deadline. It's a big mess. Now, HHS recently resumed No Surprises Act determinations after pausing them in early February following a federal court decision in Texas that ruled the arbitration process favors insurers. 
Mr. Becerra said the agency has received more than 10 times as many No Surprises Act claims than it expected when the law was first implemented. Many of those claims are frivolous, he said, because there is no cost to payers or providers to file a claim. He said, quote, everyone's just filing all sorts of claims and these arbitrators are trying to figure out what cases to handle. That is what's bogging down the system. In the same finance committee hearing, Mr. Becerra was confronted about proposed Medicare Advantage rate changes that he says will not lead to cuts in benefits. Senators from both sides of the aisle questioned Mr. Becerra on the impact of those rate changes proposed in the agency's advance notice on Medicare Advantage beneficiaries. Senator Mike Crapo, an Idaho Republican and ranking member on the Finance Committee, asked HHS to conduct an impact analysis on how the proposed model would affect different beneficiaries. He said, quote, we've heard concerns from providers, patients, and health plans. These changes will disproportionately impact the most vulnerable beneficiaries, including those with low incomes or chronic conditions. Groups representing payers and some provider groups have urged the agency not to move ahead with the guidance. Payers have said the rate adjustments amount to a cut in funding for the program that will force plans to raise premiums or cut benefits, though HHS has said that is strictly not true. HHS is evaluating the over 15,000 public comments the agency has received on the advance notice, according to Mr. Becerra. If you'd like the latest payer and healthcare industry news delivered to your inbox every morning, subscribe to the Becker's Payer Issues e-newsletter on our website at beckerspayer.com.